While Mary and Joseph were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Well, good evening, everyone, and Merry Christmas. You know, for some of us, uh, we've been meeting like this for years, haven't we? (laughs) As we've come on this special evening to hail Jesus as the one born for us, the good news of great joy. But if this is one of your first times ever worshiping on Christmas Eve, uh, God bless you, and I pray that the Lord would touch your heart as well as all of us anew as Jesus is born in us. You know, uh, about this time on Christmas Eve, I think a lot of people just kind of take a sigh of relief. Uh, the shopping's over with, right? The kids are home from college or from wh- whatever, and it's, it's time to relax. And maybe that's the way it happened for Mary. At the end of the Christmas gospel, you'll hear that later on, in verse 20, it says that Mary, she kind of calmed down. It says she pondered all these things and she treasured them in her heart. And I hope that we can do that now in this quiet time of worship. It was Brene Brin, in in one of her stories, writes about a time that she had with her daughter, Ellie. Ellie was in first grade, and uh, they were in in, in the park, and it was in the summer, and they had paddle boats there that you could rent, and uh, they were... They were paddling along and feeding the ducks when all of a sudden, Ellie, the daughter, just kind of sat back and closed her eyes and just went like this. Well, after a minute or so, the mother looked at her and said, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she says, fine, mom, I'm I'm fine. I'm, I'm just making a picture memory. It's a picture I take in my mind when I'm really, really happy. Well, I hope that you can take a picture in your mind as we see the stars on the ceiling and the the beauty of uh, the Christmas trees and the background. But most of all, take a picture in your mind of the Word made flesh, of Jesus born for us. Pastor Max, just a few minutes ago, kind of tipped off the the theme when he talked about the shepherds. And tonight we're going to use the shepherds as as, uh, kind of the jump off point for us to know what the real Christmas is all about for us in our hearts. And there's four things, four things about the shepherds. First of all, God came to the shepherds concerning the surprising good news, and he came to them right where they were. The the scriptures say that the shepherds were abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. They were out camping out at night. They were watching their sheep so that nothing bad would happen to them. 
And all of a sudden it says the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of God's presence and power shone around them and they were scared, terrified, frightened to death. You would be too. Well, and yet isn't it amazing that God came to where they were? Why didn't God come to church, to the temple or to the synagogue? Why didn't God come to the palace? Why didn't God come any place but to these lowly shepherds who were out watching their, their flock at night? Well, it's a reminder that God comes to right where we are. He comes as our Emmanuel, God with us. That God in heaven gave it all up as he humbled himself to be born of a woman, born in a stable. That God comes to where we are to see our greatest need to become our Savior. But not only did God come to the shepherds where they were, but he came to the shepherds as they were. Now, what do we know about shepherds? Throughout the history of Israel, uh, shepherding was a, a noble profession. It start, all started out with Abel. Abel's the one that was killed by his brother Cain. But then there were all these famous people in the Old Testament, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses. And then you get down to King David, who was a shepherd boy before he became king. God himself is labeled as a shepherd in one of the most popularly quoted passages in the Bible. Psalm 23, fill in the missing blank. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And yet by the first century, shepherding had fallen to ill repute. In fact, the, uh, there's a Jewish... Uh, the, the, the Jewish uh, leaders had what was called the Talmud, which were uh, interpretations and, and commentaries on the day at their time. And we read these words, insights from rabbis. It said, no help is to be given to heathen or to shepherds. Now, maybe I grew up seeing too many Christmas cards, but I still carry in my mind this mental image of shepherds uh, in the, at the manger wearing long, flowing, colorful robes and their beards are immaculately trimmed. And of course, they're kneeling in a very respectful prose. But these guys were shepherds. They were blue-collar workers, keeping watch over their sheep. They made just enough money to survive. They had rough hands. They had clothes that, that reflected the fact that they camped out every night. They didn't have showers. You know, as they came to see the baby Jesus, they didn't smell like peppermint, did they? <laughs> Besides that, maybe even more frustrating and soul-damaging was that for the fact that shepherds, by nature of who they were, were not able to have a right relationship with God as it was interpreted by the religious leaders. By this time in Judaism, they had a whole system of ceremonial laws, ritual washings of their hands and their feet and everything else. And there's no way that the shepherds could have jumped through all those hoops in order to have a right relationship with God. So they were outside of God's love and purview. And yet God came to them as they were. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That was the message of the angel. The word for good news is oiangelizon. It's, it's good news, especially when it is shared as opposed to bad news. And the bad news of them being separated from God was overcome by this good news that God 
was announcing to them that his son, the Messiah, the one promised of old, was being born in Bethlehem. And not only was it good news, but it was good news of great joy. The word for, for great here is the word megas, from which we get our word mega. This was good news, and for them it was mega joy. It was super joy. It was hilarity joy. It was something that they had never, ever dreamed of. And this good news was brought about a solution to their greatest problem of being separated from God because now they could have a relationship with God, that God cared about them. God came to them as they were. I don't know about you, but we get worn down. I get worn down by the expectations of the world. Just like the shepherds, there are days when I feel like I can never be good enough. I can never be smart enough. Success in our world is based on performance or looks or money or whatever. And let's be honest, we can never quite measure up. And yet just as God came to the shepherds as they were, God comes to us tonight as we are. He says, fear not, I bring you good news of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So God came to the shepherds where they were. God came to the shepherds as they were. Thirdly, God came to move the shepherds from where they were. Going on in the story, the angel said, you will find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then there was this great heavenly host, this heavenly army that praised God, saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill toward all people. And that's when the shepherds looked at each other and they says, wow, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And it says they went with haste. That means they hurried off. And there they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. You see, God moved them from where they were, concerned about their sheep, concerned about the lack, maybe, of a relationship with God, and he moved them to a new place so that they could know the living God in person, that they could see the Savior of the world, that they would behold the very Messiah whom God had promised for so many years. And the result, the angel said, would be peace. You know, they were living in, in, at the time of the Pax Romana, or the, the peace of Rome. There was relatively peace in that part, in, that, in, in the known world at that time because of the conquering Romans. But the angel was talking about a different kind of peace. It wasn't a peace that was based on lack of war or, or, or prosperity or anything that the world could offer, but it was a peace in their souls that only God could offer by His love and His mercy. And like the shepherds, God wants to move us from where we are, and He wants to move us to have a relationship with Him. Because Jesus is the one, yes, born of Mary, but also conceived by the Holy Spirit, begotten of the Father from eternity, as we say in the Nicene Creed, true God, true man. He is the only one who could come to save us, to take away our sins, to give us the victory that He would win for us. My uh, grandson, Charlie, uh, turned four this fall, and his favorite toy is a dinosaur. And it's not just any dinosaur. His favorite toy is the T-Rex, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. 
and it growls and it makes noises and it lights up and he's probably got five different versions of T-Rex. And he walks around the house and he'll make all these noises, right, like a T-Rex might make. Well, he's not the only kid that likes dinosaurs because one time a, a boy about his age uh, was there when the family was setting up their creche, their manger scene. And they put all the places, uh, all the, the, the pieces in place with the Jesus in the manger and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men and the an- animals. And then came this boy and he says, I want this in the manger scene. And he brought his T-Rex, okay? And there was this green, ugly monster that was towering over the rest of the manger scene. And uh, the dad tried to tell him that there were no prehistoric beasts at the manger scene in Bethlehem. But the boy, you know, just insisted that T-Rex had to be part of the manger scene. Well, let me tell you something. Turn to Revelation chapter 12 sometime. Ironically, in Revelation 12... Figuratively, Scripture speaks about an enormous red dragon who stands in front of the woman who is about to give birth so that the, so that the red dragon might devour the child that is about to be born. The woman, though, goes on to give birth to a son. And Scripture says in, in Revelation 12 that this son would go on to rule the nations and that then eventually he would be snatched up to be God and his throne forever. And in, that, in Revelation 12, it says, the great dragon is hurled down and defeated so that the voice from heaven says, and I quote, salvation has come along with the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ. So not so far off having a T-Rex, the red dragon is Satan. And even from his birth, Satan tried to defeat Jesus. And yet what happened to the Christ that was born in that manger? He grew up, didn't he? just like us, except he had no sin. And when he was about 33 years old, he went and he gave his life on a cross. And it wasn't for anything that he had done, but when he was on the cross, he took the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future, upon himself. And it looked like Satan had defeated him. But in the end, what happened? The third day, Jesus rose from the dead so that the the red dragon is defeated once and for all, that the resurrection of Jesus assures us that he is the victor over Satan and sin and death. And when we put our trust in him, that that victory then becomes ours. Yes, God wants to move us from where we are to a relationship with him. And that's why the gift of Jesus born this night is not just something that we look at. It's not just something that we, we sing about in romantic ways and remember Christmas's past. The gift of Jesus is something that we receive anew in our hearts and in our lives. I like the words that John has in his gospel lesson in John chapter 1, verse 12. He says, To all who received him, that's Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called the children of God. And so we receive him anew. And as we do by faith, the faith that God gives us through his word, and in just a few minutes in the sacrament of Holy Communion, God shores up our faith and he moves us from where we were to a living relationship with him so that we can know his peace and his love. But that's not where it stops. Not only did God come to the shepherds where they were and as they were, 
to move them from where they were. But God also came to the shepherds to change them from what they were. Because the shepherds came away as different people. God transformed their lives as they beheld the gift of God's Son, the Savior of the world. Now, how do we know that their lives were changed? Because Scripture tells us. It tells us in verse 17 that they spread the word. They told everybody concerning this child. And it says the shepherds returned back to their jobs, back to their sheep, back to their families, back to their lives as different people. It says glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard. God transformed them. And God wants to transform us too. God knows us perfectly, but He doesn't want to keep us there. You see, as Jesus Christ, the gift of gifts, becomes part of our life, He continues to mold us and change us to be more and more like Jesus. We are clothed with Christ so that Jesus is seen in us and through us, so that His grace, His love, is that which is seen in us and exhibited in the way that we then deal with our families, the way that we live out our lives and our jobs and our neighbors. We are used by God to build others up and encourage them. And this was especially true as I read this story. And it's an old story of a math teacher in junior high. And I don't know about you, but when you were in junior high, was math your favorite subject? It's not for many, and and this section that she taught in junior high was especially difficult. And while the kids were very bright, it just seemed like they were always picking on each other, and they were calling each other names, and there was a lot of bullying going on in the classroom. So on one Friday, the kids all came in, and she said, we're going to do something today. Instead of having a teaching session, she handed out a piece of paper to everyone in the classroom. And on that piece of paper was listed all the other kids' names, all the other students. She told them that they had the entire class period to write down the nicest thing that they could think about for each of the students in their class. Respectfully, they wrote beside each name something good about their classmates. And then at the end of class, they turned in the paper to the teacher. Well, that weekend, the teacher took all the papers home and then compiled the list For every student, so that on Monday when the kids came back to class, she handed the the paper with their name on the top with all the things that the other students had said about them. One said, I had no idea that people liked me. Another shared, I didn't know they thought about me that way. I just didn't realize anybody noticed me, another one said. And what happened in that classroom? was that the entire learning atmosphere changed. Students started respecting each other and seemed to care for each other. It was so different than it was before, all because of that list. Well, after the, a few years later, the teacher attended the funeral of one of her former students who was tragically killed in combat in Vietnam. When she arrived... At the funeral, one of the deceased Marines' comrades came to her and said, Are you my buddy's math teacher? Yes. Well, he talked about you all the time and about how wonderful you were to him. 
After the funeral service, there was a luncheon where the fallen hero's parents came up to the teacher. The father said, we just want you to know that when our son died, this was in his wallet. She didn't even have to look at it. She knew what it was. It was the list of all those kind comments that the classmates had compiled and was given to him. And as she held up the list, a whole group of her former students came around her, classmates of the fallen Marine. Charlie said, I still have my list in my drawer at home. I look at it all the time. Bill's wife declared, yeah, Bill had me put it into our wedding album. (laughs) Mary Ellen dug out her well-worn diary from her purse, and there was the list. Another took it out of his wallet and said, I carry it all the time. Another said, I think we all still have our list. It's amazing what one list as a gift of kindness and compassion by a junior high school teacher, what that could do to affect these young people's lives. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing how God could have had the shepherds on his list? That he saw them where they were, he knew them as they were, but he didn't leave them there. He took them from where they were so that they could know his love and his mercy eternally. How amazing it is that you're on God's list, that he loves you, that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. I like what one author said, if Jesus were born a thousand times in Jerusalem and not in me, I would still be lost. How grateful we are that Jesus is born in us again, that he is Emmanuel, that God has listed you in the book of life by his grace, that he comes to meet us where we are. He knows us as we are. He moves us from where we are into a a faith relationship with him so that he continues to mold us from what we were to be people of his own heart. And so Emmanuel, God is with us. Will you pray with me? Jesus, so many thousands, even millions of Christians around the world are gathering here to worship you. You are born once again as Savior, and we remember that. But tonight, Lord, we pray that you would be born in me, in my heart. Lord Jesus, come, take away my sins. Give me a relationship with you and continue to mold me as your child, so that I can love and live as you have loved me. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone.